Good morning, fellowship. Happy spring break. It's good to see you. Will you stand and worship with us? of the goodness of God. 
intention to worship him this morning. Sing this with me. We have come. We have come. We have gathered in your name for this hour. expectantly this morning. You may be seated. Hi, I'm Angie Zimmerman, and I get to serve on the elementary team. Fun fact about our team, did you know that we have over 100 high school and junior high students who serve faithfully with our kids every single Sunday? They're amazing. And the reason I bring up this amazing group is because several of them, many of them, will be scattered throughout our nation and around the world this next week on spring break trips. And so we want to, as a fellowship family, we want to pray for them this morning. But before we do that, we have a little business to get to. And number one, woo pig suey! Amazing, amazing. I thought we better get that out of the way. And now, I want to talk to you specifically about this map before you. The, the trip in Brazil, that's actually some of our adults. That's a, a group of adults, and they're headed to the Amazon, and they're working in various villages there. And they're asking for prayer. And would we also pray that churches would be planted? And then our students, our FSM students and their leaders, they would ask us, would we not just pray this morning, but would we pray throughout the week? You might even want to take a picture so you can remember them throughout the week. And very simply, I'm going to give you four prayer prompts. Would we pray for their safety and their health? Let's pray that hearts would be transformed. Pray for the many partnerships that are serving the underserved around our nation. And would we pray for the good news of Jesus to spread throughout all nations. When we come together in prayer, we experience the presence of God. And my go-to verse when I want to be reminded of this truth is in Matthew 18, 20, where Jesus said, for where two or more come together in my name, I am there among them, among us this morning. And then in Ephesians 3, 12, because of Christ and because of our faith in him, we can come with boldness and with confidence into the presence of God. And so with that power, would you pray with me this morning? Oh, Spirit of God, we acknowledge your presence in this place. 
So with our collective voice, we lift up these students, these leaders, and these various mission trips to you. Because Lord, you are so, so good. You are faithful. And there's power in the gospel of Jesus. So as we pray, at this very time, we have lots of students traveling. So we ask for safety. Would you protect them? And Lord, we pray for heart transformation among our people and among those that they get to work with side by side, those they get to serve. And Lord, we praise you for the partnerships. And we ask that our teens would be a help to these organizations. And we pray for the people who will be served. Lord, may this place in Northwest Arkansas be a catalyst that would take the good news of Jesus to every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so with these things, we pray and we wait expectantly. And Lord, what would that look like this morning, personally? Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts. And then this morning, in this very place, may we expect you to answer.
giver of all. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and to use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son, and your Spirit. Amen. You guys can be seated. Merciful God, we have sinned in your sight. We have all wandered far from your ways. We have followed desire. We have failed to aspire to the virtue we ought to Kind and merciful God, we've neglected your word and the truth that would guide us aright. We have lived in the shade of the dark we have made. When you willed us to walk in the light. Kind and merciful God, we have broken your laws. And in conduct have veered from the norm. We have dreamed of the good. But the good that we could, we have frequently failed to perform. Kind and merciful God, in Christ's death on the cross, you provided a cleansing from sin. Speak the words that forgive, that henceforth we may live by the might of your Spirit within. Kind and merciful God, bid us lift up our heads. And command us to rise from our knees. 
May our hearts now be changed and no longer estranged by the power of your pardon and peace. Daniel was a man of prayer. And today in this service, <clears throat> we're going to spend some time in prayer and reflection after the teaching. So when I finish, don't snatch up your stuff and head for the exits, okay? Because Seth and the crew will come back to lead us in this. Because in the spirit of Daniel, we want to pray. We talk about prayer. We sing about prayer. But we don't pray as we should. We read in Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel would go to his room to a particular window that faced Jerusalem and he would pray three times a day. And now as we come to chapter 9, we know what he was praying. We know the focus and attention of his prayers by what we find in chapter 9. And next week, I think you, you're teaching, right, Doug? We see the incredible response of God to his prayers. But this week, we're just going to focus on Daniel's pattern of prayer. We've watched Daniel in these few chapters that have spanned much of his life in captivity. We saw him as a young man who said, I'm not going to eat that food. We saw him as an old man being cast into a den of lions. And we have come to my, admire his, his character, his consistency. His courage and his commitment to God. And it is a model for us all. His life is a model. It is something for us to emulate and aspire to because of these characteristics and more that we see in his life. There's a calmness there in Daniel. I mean, he's in captivity in a foreign land. But it seems that he's never wringing his hands. And I think that was because of his prayer life. He talked with God like he was an old friend. And it brought a peace about him that even the king, even a pagan king, admired Daniel and his God. I've been trying to adjust the pace of my life to do things just a little bit differently. Not, not eliminate personal or family or professional responsibilities. Don't want to do that. I want to accomplish all I can while I can. But it's, it's about the connectors. 
between those things, getting from here to there, the worrying and scurrying and, and, and the anxiety. The hurry lot. Anybody relate to that? Just wondering if I heard some mmms out there. Yeah, I did. I can relate to that. And so I started with driving, slowing down, just slowing down and driving. Not trying to hurry when I get from there to here. And it seems that, you know, that's the first thing I do is get in my car and I go. And, and so I just say, I'm not hurrying. I'm going to give myself more time and not hurrying. It really makes people mad. They get right on my bumper and I've seen some intriguing hand signals. Maybe from some of you. They're in such a hurry. Bart, saw, Bart is familiar with what I've been doing, and he, he saw this on the back of a car and took a picture of it the other day. Do you follow God this close? <clears throat> but it's interesting, the people who are right on my bumper and wanting to get around, and all of us, I think, you know, hey, we've got multiple lanes in most places up here. Get in another lane. Get another lane. Go, go around me, you know, and... And they do, but normally when they do, when we come to a traffic like, I'll pull right up behind them. It's not like they got anywhere any faster. Or I'll pull right up beside them on the exit ramp. But just pick one thing in your life that you can slow down. And maybe it will start to affect other things in your life. I think Daniel was one who had a pace of life that other people looked at and they aspired to it. I want to be one of those people. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. You're familiar with this verse. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But this is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message. And I just want you to close your eyes and listen to it. <clears throat> just close your eyes and listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to say that again. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? That is born out of a life of prayer and perspective of who God is and who I am. Where my dependence comes from. He's God. He's got it all under control. Another verse that we can look at is Psalm 46.10. It just starts with this word, 
be. Be. Exist in the moment. Taste the moment. Enjoy the moment. Take it in. And then be still. The, the word still means to just stop moving. Be quiet. Be still and know. That word know is yada. When you hear someone say yada, 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 it means I know, I know, I know. Yada, to know. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, yada, him. Acknowledge. It's to actively know the presence of God. Be still and yada, know that what? I am Elohim. I am God. The masterful creator. Just take a deep breath and be still. And know. That he is God. In the book of Daniel you're going to see the three most common names used for God. In this one chapter. He uses the word Yahweh nowhere else in the book of Daniel. But in chapter 9 he does. You, you can always recognize Yahweh. That's the covenant name of God. That's the name when, when Moses said, who will I tell them sent me? And he said, I am. That I am. Yahweh. That's the covenant name. The, the name that he gave to himself to give to Moses. That, that was the name that, that, that Jesus used when they came to arrest him. I am. And the soldiers fell to the ground. Yahweh means to be. You're going to always notice it because it's in all caps in your Old Testament. All caps, whenever you see that. It means to be. He is. He always was. He is. And he always will be. He is all you will ever need. That is Yahweh. And then there's Elohim that I mentioned just a moment ago. Sometimes these are used together in Daniel 9, and I'll try, I'll try to point that out to you as we go. But Elohim, the almighty, powerful creator God, the Genesis 1 God, in the beginning, God. Mighty God, powerful. And then the one you will see in capital L in lower caps is Adonai. Adonai, he's the master, the ruler, the owner. You know, you can know God as Elohim, acknowledge God as Elohim, the great creator, and not follow him as Adonai. But we've got to remember that we were bought with a price through the blood of Christ. Amen? We belong to him. Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, the great and mighty God. 
And Daniel recognized and worshipped him as such. Although he had become one of the most powerful people in Babylon, he still had perspective of who God was. So Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, now I've heard this is Darius, Darius, Darius. Uh, I don't know which one it is. I think it's Darius, but I'll probably use all three in the context of this message, okay? So in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord Yahweh given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Why was Jerusalem so important? Well, it was the only place where the Jews could make sacrificial offerings to God. And it's still that case today. That's why you don't see Jews making offerings all around the world. It's because it can only be done in Jerusalem and only on the Temple Mount, which is occupied by Islam today. It was the place where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. It was the place where uh, David bought the threshing floor from Orna. It was the place where the first temple was built and the presence of God descended on that mountain. It was the hill that God said, my eyes and my heart will always be on this place. So Jerusalem, and especially that hill where that temple was, is a very, very special place. And Daniel understood that. He longed to be there. And he, were, he refers to words spoken by the prophet. He says 70 years. He's referring to Jeremiah as well as the other prophets. But Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29.10, this is what the Lord says. That's enough, isn't it? This is what the Lord, Yahweh, says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So what does Daniel do? He prays daily for the sin of rebellion of Israel and that God will fulfill his purpose. That God would bring them home. So Daniel, being the man of prayer, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, Yahweh Elohim, there, and confessed. Now, if Daniel's a righteous man before God, why did he need to confess anything? All of our sins are forgiven, right? When we're right with God? It's because of the fellowship. Confession restores our fellowship with God and with one another when we get right. Verse 4b, Lord, he acknowledges him, Adonai, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. It's coming clean. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and we have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, 
who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land. You see, leading up to the defeat of the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians and then the southern kingdom from 600 to 586 B.C. when Jerusalem was stored, uh, uh, was destroyed in the southern kingdom. Leading up to that time, hundreds of years before, the prophets had said, don't go that way, turn around, go back, repent. And they didn't do it. Look at all the prophets that warned them through those hundreds of years. They warned them over and over again. And so, the disaster came. Jerusalem was destroyed. They were taken away from their land and held captive. They wouldn't listen. Verse 7, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. His confession of shame here. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you. We wonder today, where is shame? Is there no shame? For the things that are going on in this world, Verse 9, confession of rebellion. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. He's not talking about just his individual sin himself. He's talking about the sin of his nation a corporate sin, and that needs to be a part of our regular time of prayer is praying for our nation and asking God to heal and forgive the nation in which we live. That should have gotten their attention, shouldn't it? Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, have been poured out on us like the judgments of the book of Revelation, they've been poured out because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us by the prophets and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. And it broke his heart. Should have gotten their attention, but it didn't. We wonder when we read of the people of Egypt before the Exodus, why would they not turn to God? We wonder when we read the book of Revelation with all the, the seals, trumpets, and bowls poured out on the world, why people won't turn to God. In fact, they even rebel against God. We wonder, how can people not see and turn to God? Well, look around. Look around. It's happening all around us right now. Romans says even the invisible things of creation are seen by us. And we ignore it. 
Verse 13, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, and yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. He's speaking of the present tense here, that they haven't repented. They haven't repented. And the same is true of us for today. Do we willfully sin? Are we willfully disobedient? Yes. Do we confess? Not as often as we should. Do we repent, which means to turn around and walk the other way? Not like we should. Like Adam and Eve, we run from God when we hear him walking in the garden because of our shame. And what we need to remember about God is his arms of forgiveness are always open. His heart is always reconciliation to bring us home. But our shame keeps us from bowing the knee and saying, God, forgive me. Verse 15. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. But he knows the loving kindness of God because he talks to him like an old friend. Now our God, verse 17, now I love this, now our God, Hear the prayers and petitions of your servants. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. He is pleading to God on behalf of God's chosen people. And so he says, Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people bear your name. You see, regardless of where we are in this life, our situation, we are image bearers of God. We are imago Dei. We are to reflect his image to the world like Daniel. But sometimes that reflection is a distorted image of God because of our sin and our shame and our rebellion and our refusal to repent. But Daniel was one who got it right in seeking God regularly with all his heart. He knew God's forgiveness. And so let's look at Daniel's pattern of prayer here. Adoration. He recognized who God was. A confession of corporate sin, of national sin. Confession of shame. Confession of rebellion. Acceptance of God's judgment. Acceptance. Confession of Israel's failure to repent. An acknowledgement of the righteousness of God. A plea for mercy 
and then begging him, Lord, hear, forgive, and act. And then we can take this prayer and, and make it our own. Use some of these. Adore God. Confess our sin and shame and rebellion. Accept the consequences. Even though we're forgiven, there may still be consequences for our sin. We, we can't have, live a whole life of, of rebellion against God without there being some consequences to us. If, if we do things to our body, it's going to have consequences. Our body will suffer because of it, right? Acknowledge that God is righteous in judgment. We, we should never say, why me? We should never say to God, what are you thinking? Why would you allow this to happen to me? We acknowledge that the righteousness of God is always just. But then ask for his help. Lord, hear us. Lord, forgive us. Hear us. Forgive us. And please act on our behalf. And you're going to see next week how God acts. Because Daniel prayed with all of his heart. So I ask you this morning that just for a few moments that you put everything to the side. Get everything out of your hands. That whatever posture of, of, of prayer is good for you. If you want to kneel, that's fine. Whatever you want to do. But in these next few minutes, as Seth and the group comes out, just to, just to have some time with God. Come clean before him. And be. Just exist in the moment. Breathe it in. Be still. Stop moving. Listen. Be still and know. Acknowledge the presence of God in your life. Because when you do, it changes everything. Be still and know that He is God. Sing this with me softly. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am
Just going through the motions, I'm sorry. And I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. Just wanna 
Fellowship, as we've taken a moment to reflect and confess privately, will you confess and repent together as a family, corporately? Will you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, have mercy on us. We have not loved you as you deserve. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a savior.
church, uh, in our confession, we confess the whole truth. That we have fallen. We have fallen short. But also that we have a Savior. We confess that we have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he came and he died for us. To redeem us. To bring us back to God. And to open the way for us to have relationship with God freely. To come to his throne with confidence. To turn and run to him whenever we've messed up. As a loving father will just gather his son or his daughter. And so, let's confess the whole truth together. Would you read this with me? Church, believe the good news. Jesus died for us. Jesus rose for us. Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have the forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a savior. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. We bow down. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he? Isn't he?
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your life of sacrifice. Thank you for your kindness toward us, your compassion, your invitation always to us to turn to you. Thank you for that. God, teach us to do that over and over and over again. God, may we set you before us and just live in the victory that we have. And God, when we stumble, may we turn to you quickly. We love you and we thank you for that invitation. In James 5, 16, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I just wanna encourage us um, this morning, we've had time to, to think about things and to open, open ourselves up to the Lord and confess and repent. But there's something special that happens. There's a healing that happens as we find that trusted brother or sister to share whatever that might be that's on your heart, um, to just come clean with them as well and, there, and having them pray for you. And there's just, the, the scriptures just promise us that there's healing to be had there. And so, uh, in community. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And we, as always, we have a prayer team that uh, is up on your, to your front left, my right. Uh, Jeff and Chris Groves are there and they've been praying for you all morning and they would love to pray with you if you have a prayer need. Um, so take them up on that. Uh, just a couple quick announcements and then we'll get you out of here. Um, the first one is next week, not next week, two weeks from now, Tenebrae. Uh, it's a service, um, special service that we do on Palm Sunday to just remember the life and death of Christ together. Um, so I encourage you to come. And if you're able to come to the early service that day, I wanna encourage you to do that. That just makes room for other people. Um, so consider doing that. And then the following week, it gets bright in the room because we have a white slide. Look at that. Uh, so Easter and Good Friday is coming up. And so Good Friday in the Student Center, we'll have a time of reflection set up where you can take communion and just pray and reflect uh, on, on Christ's sacrifice for us. And then on Easter, we'll celebrate together uh, here on campus at 845 and 1030. And also there will be a service in the park at 1030 as well, Orchards Park. Um, if it's a beautiful day, we'd love to just invite you to go out there and be with your family. It, all of them will be family services in that all of the children will be in with us. So uh, there's, there is, are no children's classes those days for that day. So that's all the announcements. Hey, we love you guys. Uh, we hope that you're just opened up this morning um, to the Lord and that that would send you out to be open and connecting community. Um, have a great week. Peace.